Hi, well, good morning. My name is Chris Havard, and I have the privilege of being what's called the executive pastor of the church. Uh, if you don't know what that is, we don't have enough time for me to explain it, but it's real simple in one sense. I'm trying to he help make sure our church is continuing to move forward on our mission of making disciples who live and love like Jesus. So what that kind of practically means is I lead the staff, and then I do a bunch of other organizational things. And uh, man, I just, my wife and I have been here 10 months, and I can tell you this, we love this church. Uh, we'd been here a couple of months, and right after church, I got a text from her, and it just said, I love our new church. And I was like, me too. Uh, my, my only regret of in 10 months is that I feel like I know like less than 10% of this church. And I know I'm not ever going to know everyone, probably, uh, but that's the only bummer so far, but I think that'll come in time. So super excited to be here, super excited today to have the privilege, the opportunity that Sam has afforded me to continue to move us forward in the book of Romans. So if you uh, have your Bible or your phone, or your Bible on your phone, uh, go ahead and go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. That's what we're going to dive into. But before we do that, I want to tell you about this guy right here on the screen. His name is Joseph de Wooster, and he was born in Belgium in 1860. And he grew up there, and he had an older brother. And as time went on, he and his brother both went into the ministry uh, to, to be uh, ministers. His brother was supposed to get assigned kind of his assignment of where to go, and then right before he was about to leave, his brother got sick. So Joseph kind of filled the gap and said, you know, you can assign me, and I'll go. So they assigned him to the Sandwich Islands. Now, if you don't know where the Sandwich Islands are, that's the Sandwich Islands. You know it as Hawaii, but at the time it was called the Sandwich Islands. So his mission assignment was on the island of Oahu in Honolulu. I know you're thinking, how do I sign up for this mission? <clears throat> So he goes there, and he's ministering for a while, and he's a young priest. And by, at this time, they changed his name to Father Damien. Well, what was going on in the islands, unfortunately, was the Europeans were bringing diseases over. <laughs> and so one of the diseases that had, that had broken out was Hansen's disease, or what we would call leprosy. And so what happened is the king, because they weren't yet a state, there's still the kingdom of Hawaii, the king said, man, I've got to protect my people. So what he did is he took and quarantined all the folks with Hansen's disease, and he moved them to that island to the east called Molokai. And he moved them over there and said, we can't have you around, you've got to stay over there. Well, the church looked at that and said, well, we've got, there's still people there, and those people still need ministry. So who will go for us? And Joseph, Father Damien, said, I'll do that. <laughs> he said, I'll sign up for that assignment. So he moved over to Molokai. And so for 16 years, Father Damien just immersed himself in that society and helped build that little society over there. He, he helped people build their homes. He built a little schoolhouse. He built a little clinic. He would administer medical care to these people. He would hold their hands in their dying moments. He literally dug the graves for some of those people. He obviously performed church services. They built a little church house. He, he performed the, the funeral services of those people. But sure enough, after 16 years, obviously immersing himself in this culture uh, with this disease, uh, he contracted Hansen's disease himself, and he passed away. In 1995, the church venerated him and, and, and exalted him, but one of the cool things was they put up this statue, and this is on the left, the picture is in front of the state house in Honolulu, is the statue to Father Damien. If you go to the United States Capitol in Washington, D.C., you have the same uh, statue is actually in the United States Capitol. Now, why does this resonate with us? Because of this idea of a living sacrifice. 
if, we're, if you're a Christ follower, you should love this story. This story should be like, I think I've kind of heard a version of this story. This idea that there was a person who left a place that was probably somewhat more comfortable to go and immerse himself and to live in a society where death was kind of the thing and to give his life for those people. Again, as a Christ follower, you're going, I know this story. This is the story of Jesus. One slight twist, though. You can go to Molokai and see the grave of, of Father Damien. There is no grave for Jesus Christ, amen? He rose from the dead after three days, conquered death, hell, Satan, everything, and gives us life. But this story is a big motivating factor, has absolutely everything to do with what we're going to look at today. So I know you just sat down. I'm going to get you to stand up again to honor God's word. We're going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2. All right, why don't you read with me? Ready? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Awesome. Thank you for standing and honoring God's word. Go ahead and take a seat. So many of you are Bible scholars, and so you know when you read a therefore in the Bible, you ask this question, what is the therefore, therefore? And I think the therefore that he's talking about is the mercies of God. So if you were with us last week, Alan, man, he killed it. You get a great summary of Romans from basically 1-1 all the way up to the end of chapter 11. And the gist of the book so far has been, hey, we're not in a good place with God, (laughs) and it doesn't even matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, we're all in trouble, but praise God, he sent Jesus to us to provide mercy and hope. And he specifically, in chapters 9, 10, 11, he's talking about specifically to his people, uh, the Jews. So then Paul, as as he's recounting the story, at the end of chapter 11, it's like he just goes crazy, and he's like, and so there's this passage that at the very end is this, what's called a doxology, and he just kind of talks about how great God is, we can't, can't control it. It just kind of goes crazy. <clears throat> Chapter 12 is like he goes, okay, now what was I saying? <laughs> so the therefore is, in light of how good God has been, this is what should happen. And so it begs the question, what should happen? But before we do that, I want to talk about this mercy of God that he got so excited about. And of which we, if we think about it for a second, this should be a huge motivating factor for us. The word there, mercies, is oiktermos, oiktermos. And one of the definitions of it is to have a stomach ache for the object of one's compassion. So it's kind of like this. It's not that God really has a stomach. This is an anthropomorphic saying. It's kind of like when saying God's hands and his feet. God really doesn't have hands and feet. But it's this idea that God is so compassionate and merciful towards us, it's almost like he feels it in his stomach. So let me give you an example of this. I was away on a trip. I I assume it must have been for church. Uh, And while I was away, I'd call my wife every night at home and saying, hey, how's it going? She said, well, had a tough day. Uh, Joshua, our son, he fell down and really scraped up his face pretty bad. Okay, on the phone call, I have some empathy. I'm thinking, oh, man, that's terrible. And I really honestly felt more bad for her because she's by herself taking care of our kids. Uh, When I, I think when I met him at the plane or maybe it's when I got home and he came running up to me 
and I saw his face and just road rash on his face. Oh, then I really felt compassion for him. And then when my wife told me how it happened, I oiktermosed that thing, man. Apparently, I didn't see this, thank God, he was running on the sidewalk and it wasn't even and he tripped and fell forward, face plant, scrape, body come up, feet come over, basically his body was like a comma, just on the, fa- on the ground. Wait, termos. <laughs> I, was, I felt so bad for him. I felt so bad for her. It, it didn't make me sick, but I felt in my stomach this mercy, this compassion. This is the mercy that Paul is talking about right here, this oitermos. Let me ask you some questions, because I think we all say, well, yeah, I think God's merciful. Yeah, I kind of knew that. Do you really believe that God is merciful? You say, oh, of course I do. Of course I do. I'm in church. Let me ask you this. Do you think that he's reluctantly merciful to you? Like he kind of has to because he's God and one of his attributes is mercy. And so when I come to him seeking mercy or forgiveness, he's like, I'll do it because I'm God, but I I don't really want to do this. When you confess sin to him and seek forgiveness, are you thinking, oh man, gosh, I think I've probably used up all my get out of jail free cards. I cannot keep coming to him about this same sin again. I just can't keep doing it. It's embarrassing. And he's going to eventually... And the reason we think this about God is because every human we know, if I sin against you like 75 times, on the 76, finally, you may be the nicest person in this church, but at some point you're going to be like, dude, don't talk to me anymore. And so we kind of project that onto God. And so you have to ask yourself, do I really believe in the oiktermos of God? Do you, when I go to him and I seek forgiveness, do I picture God as kind of folding his arms and kind of rolling his eyes like, here we go again with this? He said, oh, I would never do that. Okay, well, then you're a much more spiritual person than me. Because I think, man, I can't keep going to him about this. But you need to hear this today. God loves you. He loves you with mercy. He has oiktermos for you. You say, why do I need to hear that? Because what Paul's going to tell you to do in response to that, you really have to believe in this, this mercy that God has. So, this kind of love that God has for us, it really demands a response. And that, dis- that response is that I would be a, a living sacrifice. Now, to understand, the, oh, I went way far ahead. I'm sorry. You guys are probably confused. Living sacrifice. Now, to understand this phrase, this, this is the natural response to the oiktermos of God, you got to know this story, right? If you're not an Old Testament scholar, you're new to church, maybe you haven't been in church in a long time, you don't know all these Old Testament stories, that's cool. I'm going to tell you a real quick version of this story. There was a guy named Abraham. God comes to him, says, I am going to bless the whole world through you. Like the whole world. Forever. (laughs) I'm going to do that through you. Not through you, but actually through your offspring. There will be a king, a redeemer, a Messiah come from your line. Abraham's like, that's awesome. My wife and I don't have any kids. We're like 90 years old, so good plan. When God tells the story through an angel, his wife hears the story and she laughs because it's so preposterous. And that's why his son is named Isaac, which is Yitzhak, which means laughter. His name is laughter because the idea is just cuckoo. So they finally have this son. They're like 100 years old. God says to him, hey, I want you to 
sacrifice for me, which that's not that big a deal. Sacrifice, that's how people related to God back in the day because you didn't have an answer for your sins, so you had to do this sacrificial system. That's cool, I'll do sacrifice. Hey, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice Isaac. In fact, the Bible says you're one and only son to drive the point home. <laughs> what? <laughs> there's, and the craziest thing about this story is there's nothing in the Bible that says Abraham's like, no, I don't know about that. He just apparently does it. Isaac, let's go, we're gonna make sacrifice. They get up there, I don't know, Isaac's thinking, I don't, where's the animal? <laughs> he ties Isaac on the thing. I don't even know how that happened. He pulls out a knife. He's going to kill his son. His arm is up with the knife. All of a sudden, the angel says, stop, 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 stop. Abraham, stop it. Stop, 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 stop. Don't sacrifice your son. I've got a substitute. There's a ram over here in this thing. Sacrifice that. Now, if you haven't been in church in a long time or this whole Christianity thing, you're kind of checking it out, I'm just going to level with you. This story is cray-cray. It's insane on the surface. You say, what kind of God does this? God wasn't going to, I don't think, let, let that happen. What I think God was wanting to see is if he was, Abraham was fully devoted to him because this idea of full devotion is totally wrapped up in being a living sacrifice. God is wanting to know if I'm fully devoted. It begs the question when you hear that story, well, wait a minute, am I fully devoted? Here's just some areas of my life that I thought of when I was preparing. I thought, am I fully devoted in these areas? Let's take finances. What if God came to me and said, hey, I want to expand the kingdom over here, and I'd like for you to give uh, above and beyond to this cause? Well, if I'm fully devoted, my answer is yes. If I think that my money is my money, oh, God, I don't know. I don't know if I can afford that. Think of my career. What if God says, hey, I want you to move to this other city. I, have, I want you to do this. I want you to take this job over here and do this because I'm going to use you over here. Would you do it? What if God, here's a twist on that. What if God says, I'm not going to move you. I want to use you right there. I need you to stay there. What about how I use my tongue, which in, this, in our modern time is our social media. We'll get back to that. Relationships. What if there's a relationship in my life where I'm, I'm, I'm friends with someone, I'm pretty tight with them, and they inevitably lead me away from the Lord, away from the good things that God wants for me. Would I give that up? What about our kids? This is a tough one. W what, if, what if God does not really have me here? <laughs> what if being fully devoted to God means I don't, my kids' happiness is not the number one thing I'm shooting for? So if you're like me, you're probably 0 for 7. <clears throat> Maybe you got one or two of these, but I, I feel like I'm not fully devoted on so many of these things, but it begs the question, how can I be fully devoted? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Paul is too, because he's going to answer it in verse 2. How do I live this fully devoted life that's a response to the oiktiermos of God? Well, I'm not to be conformed in the thinking of this way of the world, but I'm going to be transformed, and this is key, by the renewal, by the renewal of my mind. I'm going to put up a little diagram. This is how our brain works. This is how God made our brain work, this renewing of our mind. It happens like this. We get information, input into our brain, data, input, input. We see things around. We hear things. We read things. It comes into our brain. That results in output. You say, what kind of output? Like our thoughts, our words, our actions. Uh, let me give you an example of this. If I hang around somebody and they have a funny phrase that they use about a situation, and they use it all the time. If I hang out with them, sooner or later, what's going to happen? I'm going to say that, and then I'll be like, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. You hang out with Joe all the time. He says it all the time. That's how this works. Information comes in, and then it comes out. 
Um, Rene Descartes said this famous phrase. He said, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. Now, he probably thought he was real smart because he thought of that. The problem is that was a couple thousand years ago that was in the Bible. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In Jewish mindset, they thought, and again, if we wrote this today, we'd say, as a man thinks in his head, they thought this was the seat of their thinking. And so it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Paul talks about this idea. 2 Corinthians 5.17, super famous verse, says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old way has passed away, the new has come. There's this renewal of your mind, and this renewing of your mind affects how you live your life, right? I believe this renewal of our mind, which is so key for us to living the, the, this living sacrifice kind of lifestyle, I think the number one thing this has to do with is our identity, our identity. Who are we? Why does God have me here? What is my purpose? How do I know what's right and wrong? How do I know what God's will is? All these big, huge decisions, these, these big, huge questions are really answered in our identity. And so this renewing of our mind, I think, is primarily about this stuff, our identity in Christ. If I could if I only had like one sermon I could ever preach to all Christ followers, it would be about identity. I think it's so crucially important. This question of who do you see yourself as is, gosh, important. Let me give you an example. There's two, two phrases here. They basically use the same basic words. Do I see myself as a plumber who's also a Christ follower, or do I see myself as a Christ follower who's also a plumber? Let me give you another one. Do I see myself as a mother of two kids who's a Christ follower also, or do I see myself as a Christ follower who's also a mother of two kids? How you answer that question has massive implications on whether you're going to be a living sacrifice or not. This is like the whole enchilada right here. It's huge. how you get up in the morning, all the decisions you make throughout the day flow out of how you answer that question. Me, as a Christ follower, I am not Chris with some Christ added on, okay? That's, that's really actually not biblical. Actually, God and I, and mainly God, are actually trying to reduce the amount of Chris and increase the amount of Christ so that I can live this life that he's called me to. I'm going to say something. Please don't take this out of context. I don't want Jesus to be a big part of my life. Y'all are thinking, this guy is a terrible preacher. I want Jesus to be my life. Do you see the difference? One of the things that bothers me, can we just say this in church? And I've, I've used this phrase, so guilty. But one of the things I'm trying to root out of my vocabulary is saying, hey man, you need to invite Jesus into your life. We say that all the time in church. It's totally wrong <laughs> to say. No offense, I've said it, but let's all agree. That violates the idea of identity, of coming to Christ and giving my life and being fully devoted. 
I do not invite Jesus to be in my life. I invite him to be in my life. You say, how do you know that? Take Paul. Paul said, I have been crucified. I died. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. There's no more Paul. Certainly no more Saul. There's no more Paul. But Christ lives in me. And so this identity is massively important. I will never, never, never live, be this living sacrifice, this person who's living a fully devoted life to God, if I'm trying to live my best life now. It just doesn't work. I desperately, desperately, desperately need God to renew my mind about who am I? What's important? Who do I serve? Why am I here? If I'm gonna have any chance of living this life, that's this response to the, the mercy of God. So, how do I do that, Chris? I, okay, you got me. I want my mind renewed. How do I do that? Great question. I think this, it's answered in this verse. Jesus is speaking, and he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And so I think right here, just in this one verse, you see these two things that I think are really important. First, they hear my voice. If I'm going to have my mind renewed, Remember the brain thing, the input deal? I've got to hear from God. I've got to hear from God. And I've got to hear from God a lot. And that's how I'm, that's the one thing. The second thing is I follow him. So think with me, like, let's pretend it's October. It's not 117 degrees outside. <sighs> anyway, and so it's October. We're down at the state fair. We come up to this one crazy ride, and I say, how many tickets to ride this ride? And they say, oh, it's two tickets to ride this ride. If I give the guy one ticket, is he going to let me ride the ride? No. Why? Because it's two tickets. One of the problems we have in church is we, we have equated me reading my Bible, and that inevitably makes me a good Christian. And you say, are you saying reading the Bible is not important? It's crucially important. I'm about to make that case in a second. But one of the things is if I only read the Bible and I don't follow him in obedience from it, I don't know that we're going to be renewed in our thinking. Let me give you an example. Let's say this tomorrow morning I get up and I read uh, a message uh, in the Bible and it's a story about forgiveness. God forgave someone, someone else forgave someone. It's about forgiveness. I read that in the morning. Then I come to work and somebody I work with didn't get something done and I just rip them. I tell them, you've disappointed God. And I'm just a jerk. Then uh, I'm driving home, and somebody cuts me off. And I just rip them. I have no compassion whatsoever for them. I just, unforgiving as can be. I come in the house. Uh, the cat gets in my way, so I kick the cat. This is totally made up. I would never have a cat. Uh, <laughs> I kick the cat. No clap. Don't clap. Don't clap about that. I come in. My kids are young, one of them has spilled their milk, and I just rip them. I tell them, you are so irresponsible, blah, 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 blah. And then it's time for bed, and then I ask my wife, did you, hey, did you get that done I asked you to do? She said, no, and I just, I just all over her. I can't believe you didn't do blah, blah, blah. Now, I read this morning about forgiveness. I lived the whole day not following God. Do you think I'm being, my mind is being renewed? Do you think I'll be living this kind of sacrificial life living sacrifice lifestyle? Yes or no? No. It's, well, I'm about to make the case it's super important to read the Bible, but it's equally important to obey the Bible. That's how the renewal happens. So, um, I'm going to give you one more example of this, this input-output idea. Remember our brain guy? Now, this one, 
this could be offensive to some people, and I'm okay with that. I think we should be able to talk about whatever in this church, and so if it's offensive to you, what I'm about to say, you just take your phone out, and you email me. Uh, if you're thinking about it tonight, you can't sleep. It's so bothering you. It's 2.30 in the morning. I think you need to email me. We need to dialogue about these things, okay? And so what I'm about to say, if it bothers you, again, here's my email address. You send it right there, anytime, day or night. We just, we need to be able to talk and share. It's not even that offensive. I just totally made that up. Um, all seriousness, all seriousness, you know, we've been doing this sidebar. We've been doing the podcast this summer about Romans, and we're continuing to do that. And so if you have a question about anything I say today, in all seriousness, if you'll text TALK to 96123, 96123, text TALK, uh, then we'll, we'll talk about, I'm actually recording that tomorrow morning. So anyway, enough of that. All right, now, let me step on your toes a little bit. These are all the different, well, these are some of the social media platforms out there. The most recent study I could find said that the average American spends this amount of time every day on social media. I couldn't find, I looked at, for Barna and who studies these kind of things, and I thought, well, I'm gonna find how much the average Christian is in the word every day. Couldn't find it. What I did find is that said, if you want to read through the Bible in a year, if you want to read through the Bible in a year, so every morning you're putting God's word into your life, it would take you 12 minutes a day. Now you say, Chris, I'm a slow reader. Okay, 16 minutes. Okay. So just going back to the, the input-output thing, this is kind of a big deal for us. And so I don't want to meddle with you. I just want to say the number one way that I'm going to have the right input for this renewal of my mind is to hear God's voice. What's the number one way I hear God's voice? Probably the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't speak to you in his spirit, because I think he does. I think he can speak through other believers. I think that he does. I'm just saying the primary way I think, let me just say this. Anybody I see that's a brother or sister in Christ that's, that's living a, a living sacrifice kind of lifestyle, they are also a student of the word. You almost never see somebody who's a student of the word, uh, or the other way, that lives a living sacrifice lifestyle that never opens their Bible. That just doesn't really happen. I want to give you an example, a real life story. This happened just like 10 days ago sitting with somebody on staff, and they started telling me this story about how being in the Word in the morning was renewing their mind and changing how they live their life. Uh, this person on staff uh, did not grow up uh, really biblically illiterate. They just didn't. She wasn't a, that wasn't a thing. Uh, but she started doing a D group and started being in the Word every day. In fact, she told me the other day, I'm on day 158, 158 days straight I've been in the Bible. And for her, this was a really big deal. She is also a staff member who has told me, in no uncertain terms, don't you dare ever call on me to pray out loud in any meeting. I'll kill you. <laughs> to which I said, well, can you pray after this? Maybe? No. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool, no problem. We're sitting now, she's telling me about how she's been in the Word 158 straight, and she had just gotten back from a girl's trip, these ladies that she's grown up with, known for decades. She said, you'll never believe what happened. We're together, I feel like God wants me to pray with them, so I just said, hey, why don't we just pray together, and I prayed. What? <laughs> then she says, yeah, while we're on the trip, one of the ladies found out some real bad news, family problem, blah, 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 and so I'm driving her, she's dealing with this trauma, I'm driving, I feel like the Lord says, you need to minister to her and pray for her. So I just pulled over on the side of the road and said, we need to pray about this right now. And I prayed over her. This is the lady who told me, don't ever call me to pray out loud, I will kill you. She will tell you in no uncertain terms that the renewing of her mind is coming as a result of what? Being in the word every day. 
That, there's an example of, of this renewal of the mind that we're talking about. So, as a point of practicality, can I just encourage you, we have a Bible reading plan we do here at the high, I mean, at, at First McKinney. It's not the only thing we do. Firstmckinney.com slash Bible or text Bible to 96123. If you say, well, I don't know about that one. I don't know if I want to read the whole Bible through in a year. Cool. There's this app called YouVersion. There's only about mm, 60 billion different Bible reading plans on there. They have long ones, short ones, thumbs on the Old Testament, whole Bible, New Testament, gospel. There's a million of them on there. We live in a beautiful time now. We live in a beautiful time with this technology. There's really no reason that we can't be having our mind renewed by reading God's word, all right? So let's put the pieces together. I believe God's calling me to live a life fully devoted to him. And I'm doing this in response to, not because I think it's a good idea, it's just the most natural response that the, what the king has done for me and the mercy he's shown me. So that's one. Two, I can do that by having my mind renewed. And my mind needs to be renewed primarily on this issue of my identity. Who am I? Why am I here? And finally, the number one way that you renew your mind, I think the number one medium to have that happen is getting into God's word because I think that transforms us. So, whenever I hear somebody speak, I always think this. Yeah, so what? <laughs> like, good talk, bro, but what do you want me to do with that? I don't know if that's like you. Maybe, maybe we've all been conditioned just to come to church and listen and go, that's cool, and then go eat lunch and forget it. I don't like that. I want us to be not just hearers of God's words. I want us to be doers. So I always sit there and think, well, so what? What do you want me to do? So here's two things. First of all, what's one step that you could take this week to renew your mind? Hint, hint, I just talked about it. <laughs> if you haven't, if, if you, maybe you went on vacation, you kind of fell off the wagon of reading God's word. Maybe it's been six months since you opened God's word. I don't know. I can, I just, I'm begging you, if you're going to live this lifestyle that we've talked about in verse one, you got to have your mind renewed in the word. If you say, Chris, I've, I've been faithful to read my Bible every day, then my, the caveat on this one for you is are you obeying it? Are you putting it into practice? Are you not, don't just be a, a reader, be a doer. And then the second one is this. On your way out, you're going to get a card that looks like this. It's got this saying on the front. It's got the verses we looked at on the back. Thanks. And that's what it says right there. It says, I am a Christ follower, bold, all caps, who happens to be a whatever. And you can fill that out. You fill in the blank. Teacher, mom, accountant, I don't know, whatever you do. You put in whatever you want. But I want you to take this when you leave, and I want you to fill it out. And then I I was going to say, I want you to put it on your bathroom mirror so you see it first thing in the morning. Here's the problem. So many of us are addicted to this that the first thing we look at in the morning is what? So many of us, I mean, we wake up and it's, so here's what I would tell you to do. There you go. So that the very first thing you see in the morning is not your phone and what the world says. You would see, you'd have this reminder of who you are in Christ. I contend, I contend if you stopped Paul, say he's walking to another town to preach the gospel and you said, hey, man, who are you? And he, he would say, well, I'm Paul of Tarsus or something, I don't know. And you said, well, hey, what are you about? Like, what's your deal? I think it's very unlikely he would say, I was a tent maker. I am a tent maker. Now, he did do that job on the side, we, we've come to understand. I, I have a strong feeling he'd say, I'm someone who's experienced the mercies of God, and I'm just living, I'm a living sacrifice for him. 
I'm, I'm, I'm not conforming to this world. I'm being transformed, and I'm, I'm here for God's glory. That's, that's what I'm about. And then I would say, well, how do you like eat and stuff? And he'd say, oh, I'm a t- yeah, I, I make tents on the side. Yeah, I had this job, but that, that just pays the bills. I don't really care about that. I, I want that to be true for us. Asking this question, close it up. What if? What if hundreds of us, hundreds of us, this week, every day, started with this? You started your day having your mind renewed by understanding, I am here for God. That's the whole thing. What if, I mean, what, what if hundreds of us did that? I, imagine, just here's a couple of real world examples. Instead of like getting real mad because your kids didn't make their bed, what if you thought, you know what, my primary thing here is not to have a nice house. That's not my primary thing. My primary thing is to raise disciples who live and love like Jesus. And I put my energies into that. What if instead of going to work and being like, ugh, got to go to work, what if in going to work you said, I am an ambassador for the king. I get to bring hope and love into this office on behalf of, I, I, I get to be a billboard for Jesus here. What if instead of, you know, reading your Bible because some guy on the stage got, you know, guilted me into it, if you said, no, I want to open this book up because the king is going to give me words of life and love to change me, and I want that. What if, what if instead of walking around and just being worried about things that are probably not even going to happen, you walked in victory and in freedom because you said, I am a son of the king of the universe. He has me in the palm of his hand. The king does. This is the king who just merely spoke words and made everything we can see. He raises up kings and puts them down. I am a king. I'm a son of the king. I'm in the palm of his hand. And so, no, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to walk around in fear today because I, my identity is rooted in who I am in Christ. What if hundreds of us every day this week said, I'm going to be like a Father Damien. I'm going to live this sacrificial lifestyle that says, it doesn't really matter about me and my comfort. That's not the number one thing. I'm here for the glory of God and the expansion of his kingdom. Can you imagine our parenting, our marriages, your workplace, your neighborhood, our cities, if just hundreds of, just us did it. I think God wants to do that. I think he can do that. But we've got to have our mind renewed. We've got to remember the mercy. It's got to be motivated by that mercy of God. And I hope that compels you again today. We're going to continue to worship right now, and then I'll close it out in just a second. Thank you for joining us today for Worship Online. If you're in our area, we want to invite you to come to physically connect to your local church. We would love to help you to live and love like Jesus alongside of others who are doing the same. If you're from outside of our area, can I challenge you to find a local church in your area that's going to preach the Bible and exalt Jesus? Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.